The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Kind of do a two-part uh, message. I was going to do all this today, but I'm afraid that if I try to get it all in today, it'll be a rush through, and I don't want to rush through this. When I, I grew up in church, uh, you may or may not have known that. Some of us did, some of us didn't, but uh, I did, and uh, so uh, I grew up with all these teachings and hearing all these things, and uh, I heard about the unpardonable sin, unforgivable sin, and I used to worry so much about that and wonder, you know, if, if uh, what, what you do to, to commit that unpardonable sin. We've been talking really over the last couple of months about revealing Satan for who he is and for what he is, and the Bible says he was a liar from the beginning, and he still is. Uh, he, uh, he deceives people, he distorts the truth, he... Uh, parades around as an angel of light, so he's a, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. So many ideals that uh, we hear about uh, Satan, and, and this is kind of something that I think will help us understand, and if you have any, any uh, worries about this unpardonable sin, this, this message uh, may be troublesome to a lot of people, maybe more so than any other passage in the Bible, but Matthew chapter 12 22 through 32, Jesus teaches about the uh, unforgivable or unpardonable sins is what it's kind of come to be known as. And he also teaches about it in Mark chapter 3, 28 and 29, and also in Luke chapter 10, verse 12. So there's uh, several places that we find Jesus teaching about this. And I think there's probably, not in this church, of course, but there's probably thousands of people that are terrified they've committed the unpardonable sin. Uh, and that's a shame because the mere fact that they would be concerned about that uh, is evidence that the Holy Spirit's still working in their lives. Uh, if the Holy Spirit's still working in their lives, they've not uh, committed this sin. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next uh, today and in next week. I think part of the problem is uh, the reason people worry about that is because it's kind of a uh, a mysterious type sin, and we just read in Scripture, and we're going to read this here in just a moment, and uh, down all the way to verse 31 and 32, uh, where Jesus talks about this sin, and, uh, you know, some people think they can just kind of ignorantly commit that sin, and that word ignorant doesn't mean uh, stupid, it just means, you know, unintentionally or without knowing they can commit that sin of blasphemy. So in Matthew chapter 12, down in verse 31, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven men, and anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will not be forgiven him. But whoever speaks... Let me back up. I misspoke. Verse 32, Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit... It will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. So when we read that passage of Scripture, I think we can read that and, and it can raise some questions. And that's what I want us to do. And, and actually, we're not going to get to the answer today. We're simply going to kind of get the background, uh, the background for where this teaching came from and who Jesus was talking to. On the positive side, out of that passage we just read... Only the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is called unpardonable. Every other sin can be forgiven, and that's great news. So if you have any sin in your life, and if you say, well, I don't know if I've ever blasphemed the Holy Spirit, 
uh, I worry about that. Well, don't worry, because if you worry about it, if you're concerned about it, that means the Holy Spirit's still striving with your spirit, and you've not committed that sin. And we're going to talk about what that is, and we're going to talk about it more in depth next week. But know this, any sin you have in your life, Jesus says right here, it can be forgiven. Whatever it may be. So don't ever think that because of the sin in my life, because of sin in my uh, former life or in the way I, I was raised or something in my, in my past, I don't mean formal life as in you've lived some other time, but I'm talking about uh, before this day, anything you've committed up to that time, the Bible says that can be forgiven. So let's look at what's taking place here when Jesus starts teaching about this sin that we kind of refer to as the unpardonable sin. So the first thing is, is Jesus is performing a miracle. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 and 23, it says, Then there was one brought to him, Jesus, who was demon-possessed. He was blind and he was mute. He couldn't talk. And, and Christ healed him. So the blind and mute man both spoke and saw, and all the multitudes were amazed And they said, could this be the son of David? So in this passage, we see that Jesus is here. There's a, there's a, a, a blind guy. He can't talk. He's brought to Jesus. Jesus heals him. And it's, it's interesting to me that there's a multitude of people watching this. So there's a multitude of people there and they begin to ask, uh, this, this miracle, could this be the son of David? And there's a lot of different reactions to, to this. That word, the son of David, is the title given to the Messiah. So when we read that word, the son of David, those, those multitudes there said, this, this could be the Messiah. We recognize him as maybe he is the one that's, that's going to be our Savior, the Messiah who has come. But I want to look at some of the different reactions, and, and especially the reaction of the Pharisees. So there's a multitude there that cries out or that speaks out, could this be the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, the, 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 the son of David? And then you have the reaction of the Pharisees in verse 24. Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, now, listen to what they heard. What are they hearing? The Pharisees, they're control freaks. They want to be in control. They're the religious leaders of the day. They hear this multitude of people saying, could this be the Messiah, the one we're looking for? And when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. So while they're claiming to be God's representatives to Israel, that's what the Pharisees, they say we're God's representatives to all of Israel, The Pharisees deliberately and willfully attributed God's power to Satan. Now they understood what they were doing. The Pharisees had themselves, they had been, they had been present during other healings. They had been present during other miracles that Jesus had, had performed. And they had seen all these things. So, so they, they couldn't deny the reality or, or the truth. Uh, of, of those events. They had seen them. They had experienced them. They had been there. They had, they had not only heard through the grapevine, but they had witnessed what Christ was doing. So they understood this is, he, he has these powers. They couldn't simply say, well, this man wasn't healed. He never was sick. They, they couldn't do that. So, so they centered their debate on not whether these things had been done, but they centered their debate more on where does he get the power to do these things? So they come, and since they couldn't deny his power to cast out demons, they, 
They, they had just seen him heal a man with a withered hand. I don't know if y'all remember that. You can go back and read here in, in uh, chapter 12, verse 13. He had, he had cast out a demons out of a possessed man in, in chapter 12, verse 22. So, so they begin to question his power. They said, this man cast out uh, demons by Beelzebub. Now that, that Beelzebub, that, that word First part of that, Baal. Y'all remember from the Old Testament, you heard, we've, uh, if you've read or been in school, Sunday school, we've talked about Baal and the prophets of Baal. And uh, you may remember that story where uh, uh, Jezebel, she had all those prophets of Baal come and, and they, tried to, they tried to call down rain from heaven and all the fire from heaven and all of these different things. And, and that's the Baal. And the second part of that is Zebub. And that, that word Zebub means fly. So what the, the, the Pharisee was saying that he gets his power as the Lord of the flies or the Lord of filth. So they look at Jesus and they say, he is the, he is the Lord of filth, Beelzebub. He's the Lord of flies, Beelzebub. And what they're actually saying is Jesus is accomplishing what's he, what he's done through the power of Satan. Through the through the Lord of filth, uh, filth, and in fact, that they did this in the in the face of of direct evidence that the that the Son of God had had performed these miracles. Uh, it's shocking that they would look and they would say, "Okay, uh, he he, I, we've seen these things, we've experienced these things, but he there, he's getting his power through Satan, the the Lord of filth, or the Lord of flies." So so let's look at the response of Jesus in verse twenty five through thirty. It says, but Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. The Pharisees didn't say anything directly to Jesus. They were kind of over, and they were kind of mingling among themselves. They were kind of, kind of spreading the rumor through the crowd. You know, this guy gets his power from Satan. But Christ knew their thoughts, and as he knew their thoughts, Jesus answered their accusations, and, and he did it through, through a couple of different ways, but he used just regular old logic. And, and here's how he lo- used that logic in verse 26 and in 27. He charges them with being illogical. He, he says, if Satan cast out Satan then he's divided against himself. And if that happens, how can his kingdom stand? So Jesus just calls the disciples out uh, right in front of everybody. Have you ever, been, have you ever seen that or ever done that? It's kind of hard to do, but it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny. I shouldn't tell this story, but I worked with a guy and we were in a meeting and uh, these two guys didn't like each other. Now get this picture. The Pharisees, they hate Jesus. They, they don't like anything about Christ. Well, this particular case, we were working a storm, and when we worked storms sometimes, we worked 24 hours or 30 hours straight or 36 hours straight. And, and so just in the background, this one guy said, Hey, I saw so-and-so sleeping in Clarksville the other night during the storm. Well, the word got back to him. And he said, I was not sleeping. I, I don't sleep, you know, and... And I was working just like everybody else was working. So we had a big meeting. Everybody was there. It was just a safety meeting. And, and uh, this guy at the very end of the meeting, the, the supervisor says, anybody got anything else? And he just stood up and he said, yeah, I want to say that so-and-so's a liar <laughs> right in front of everybody. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, he's telling everybody I was asleep in Clarkford. I was not asleep. And, 
And this other guy said, oh, I was just joking. <laughs> and he, and uh, he just went on. Finally, the supervisor said, look, this is not the place to air this out, okay? You, we, we need to do this offline somewhere, one-on-one. But, but I mean, just to, we laugh. That happened 15 years ago. We still laugh about it. Just stand up right in front. I want to say he's a liar, you know. And, uh, but, but Jesus says this. He, he, he calls them out. They wasn't talking to him, but he got it, and he heard it, and he said, you know what? If Satan cast out Satan, and if he's divided against himself, how would his kingdom stand? And he, he addresses the Pharisees that way. He says, it makes no sense. If I'm working for Satan, why would I try to repair the damage that Satan has done? So he's, he's confronting him, and he says, if Satan is divided against himself, then he'll be defeated. And even the devil knows, is a, is a house divided is a house defeated. So, so he calls them out, he asks this question, and then he charges them with this. He says, you're inconsistent. In verse, uh, verse 27, he says, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. Now, here's the second point he says. In his argument here, he says, uh, you're being inconsistent because when he says your own sons, he's talking about the other Pharisees. He's saying if, if the other Pharisees you claim to exercise, or you claim to, to cast out demons, if that's true, then where are they getting their power from? See, he said, okay, you're inconsistent. You're, you're saying we as Pharisees, we can do the same thing. So where are you getting your power from? So Jesus says, you're looking at me, and, and here's my charges. They're illogical. You're, you're inconsistent. And then he draws this conclusion with them in verse 28 and 29. If then Jesus is not casting out demons by the power of Satan, here it is. He is doing so by the power of God. 28 says, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God... Surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So he, he confronts them. He says, you're illogical, you're inconsistent. And here's the conclusion. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Then he uses one of the shortest parables in all of Scripture. We just read through this and we really don't think about it being a parable. But here it is in verse 29. He says, or... How can one enter a strong man's house, plunder his good, unless he first binds the strong man, and then he'll plunder his house? Now, it's easy for us just to read through that and, and say, okay, there's an illustration about something, but, but let's look at what he's saying. As he's talking to the Pharisees, the strong man he's talking about is Satan. So he says to them, how can, how can a man enter Satan's house or, or a strong man, and that strong man is Satan, and his house is the kingdom which he dominates the earth. We've talked about that over the last couple of months, that Satan is the prince of this earth. So Jesus says, how can, a, how can a, the, the, the strong man Satan and his house, the kingdom, the earth, and his possessions are his victims? Okay, so if you write in your Bible, you can, you can take that passage of Scripture there and you can say, strong man, you can write Satan above that, his house, you can write kingdom above that, uh, the, uh, the, or the kingdom, you can write earth above that, his possessions are his victims that he holds in bondage. So that's what Jesus says. He says, okay, how can you come into Satan's house, his kingdom on earth, and his possessions are the victims which he holds? Only one who is stronger than Satan, 
only one who is stronger than Satan can free those hostages, those that are bound up by sin. Only someone stronger can do that. And Jesus has done that, and that's what he's doing. He's entering Satan's dominion, the earth. He's entering Satan's dominion. He's binding Satan, and he's freeing the helpless victims. So as he's talking to the Pharisees, he's saying, this is what I'm doing. And how could I do that if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm Satan, if I'm equal with Satan, if I'm lower than Satan? How can I come in and how can I bind him up and how can I free his victims? So he uses that conclusion and he asks them that question. And in reality, Jesus is not stealing anything away. He's simply reclaiming what was his. In John 10.10, remember it says, The thief comes not to accept to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life, that you may have it more abundantly. And that's what Satan is trying, uh, that's what Christ is trying to do here. He's, he's teaching through these disciples, through this, through this parable. He says, how can this be? If I, if I cast out demons by the, the power of Satan, how can this be? How could I enter his kingdom? How could I bind him up? How could I free his victims? When I was a, I was a meter reader for years for uh, Texas Power and Light, and I could still probably drive back to this house in Rowlett, and, and it was kind of out in the country, and, and these people had a terribly mean dog, and he was on a chain. And we had to get out and walk in their backyard, and that dog could come literally probably from, from me to, to, to the organ there, Till he was at the end of his chain. Now this is me, the house, and this is the end of his chain. And he would foam at the mouth and bite his tongue till he was bleeding out his mouth. That's how mean this dog was. And I would try so hard to just sneak in there, you know, just like golly. And I we read on cards back then, like a you colored in the numbers, you know. And and boy, when he would see you, he would take off full stride, running as hard as he could. And you just pray, Lord, don't let the chain break, you know. And then uh, he would, as hard as he could, he'd hit the end of that chain. And when he hit the end of that chain, it would jerk him back. But he would get up and he'd hit the end of that chain again. The whole time you were in the yard, you know, I would watch the dog and I would watch the dog and I'd read the meter and then I'd watch the dog and I'd watch the dog. The whole time we was there, that's, that's the way he was. And, and you think, surely if he ever got loose, I don't know what he would do if he ever broke the chain or ever pulled. It wasn't a big chain either. It was a little bitty chain. But, but that's, that's what Christ is really talking about in Satan here. He, he, look in Colossians 2.15, he gives that picture, having disarmed the powers and authority, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over by the cross. And, and when we look at this, Satan is like a dog on God's restraint. In other words, Satan, he, 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 he tries for us and he, he'll run towards us and, and he's there, but, but God has him under control. It says, I've bound him up. He, he's been bound up, and, and I've come to rescue his victims away. So we need to really understand that, that Satan is, is bound up, and Christ has control over Satan. Now, he, he still goes. All I'd have to do is, is decide, you know what? I'm going to go over and step over there a little closer to this dog. I'm going to step a little closer. I'll tell you all a funny story. I, I like dogs, so don't hate me for this, but they got us some dog spray. And uh, it was in a little can, you know, and... And I'll, I'll tell you this, if a dog's mean enough, he'll just, he just licks that stuff off and goes on. It don't bother him. But uh, we had a big old Doberman pincher that, 
that we read the same every month. We read the same thing, and, and we would drive down there, and he would see us coming, and he would run out, and he would just run right at the door, just growling and barking, and we didn't have to get out there. We could drive up in the driveway, and we had a little scope, and we could scope the meter and leave, and, and uh, I got me some dog sprite, and we'll get that sucker today. <laughs> so I'm driving. We were scared to roll our window down because he, I thought he would jump in the window, you know, to get us, and so I'm driving, and I roll my window down about that far, and I'm going, and, I'm, and that wind caught that stuff, and it, just, it blew all in my face, and, and I'm blinded at this point, you know, I can't see, I'm, I'm, my mouth is burning, my eyes are watering, and the dog won out, but uh, anyway, uh, that was for my own stupidity, I guess, and the dog, I, he couldn't bite me, I just wanted to be sure he knew I was in charge, but, but, but anyway... To think about Satan and, and Christ has him bound up. Now, does that mean that we don't make decisions to move into where that chain can get us? Does that, does that mean we don't decide to step over that line? And, and the Bible says when we're tempted by our own desires, we sin. That doesn't mean Satan comes and has power over us because when we're born again, we have power over Satan through Jesus Christ. But when we decide to sin, it's because our own desire, we, we give into it. We, we, we step over in there where that chain is, it's still got some slack in it, and, and we move ourselves into there, and, and Christ can come and he, he can rescue us back. He can pull us back from that, from that, from that dog or from Satan because he says, I, I have him restrained. So then God gives a reminder to the Pharisees. He, he, he says you're, you're illogical in your thinking, you're, uh, you're inconsistent in what you're saying, and he puts a parable out there, and then he, he, he comes on down just a little bit farther. In verse 30 he says, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Now I want you to think about the the audience he's talking to. He's talking about the Pharisees. He's talking about those who desire to lead Israel spiritually. And as he talks to them, as he explains to them about Satan and who Satan is, he explains about who he is. He says, so for you, you're either for me or you're against me. You're either gathering with me or you're scattering what I'm doing. But he says this, we can't ride the fence. Now you may say that's, that's one of the most narrow-minded statements Jesus ever, made, ever has ever made. It may be. A, that's probably true. In our pluralistic society, you know, the, the society that says all roads lead to heaven and the society that says we as Christians, we're intolerant. It, it really does sound pretty intolerant, doesn't it? But, but the, the fact that it may sound intolerant. It, it may sound like we're saying that heaven's the only, that Christ's the only way to heaven, which is the truth. That doesn't change anything. If you say, well, that's narrow-minded and, and uh, it's, it's intolerant. Well, it, even if it is, it's still true. And we need to understand today that, that Jesus says to us, you can't straddle the fence. You, you can't ride the fence. You're, you're either for me or you're against me. And what he was telling the Pharisees is this, you're gonna, you're, you, you can say anything, but you can't ignore Christ. You, you can be on Satan's side, you can, you can attribute the works of, of Christ to Satan, or, or you can attribute the works of Christ to God the Father, but, but you can't ignore Him. 
You're, you're going to make that decision. And so as he stood before the, the Pharisees, that's the lesson that he's teaching. Then when we move down into verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 31 and 32, he begins to explain about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to stop right here this morning because there's a couple of more things I want us to see before we move into that. Or, or there's, there's a couple more things before we talk about the unpardonable sin and, and I don't want to try to do it in 10 minutes. So what I want you to think about this morning is this. Where do you stand when it comes to Christ? Are you, are you try, do you try to be on the fence? You know, when we try to ride the fence sometimes, we, we kind of want to keep one, wor- one foot in the world and one foot in, in heaven. And we, we just kind of want to keep everybody happy. And the Pharisees, they, they kind of wanted to ride the fence. They kind of wanted to be spiritual over here a little bit, but they didn't want to be sold out. And Christ said this to us, you're either for me or you're against me. Next week, we're going to look at a couple of things. What the unpardonable sin is not. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of miss the mark is they having their ideal that this is the unpardonable sin. And maybe, maybe I've committed it without even knowing that. We're going to look at all of those areas. But today, as we close, I want to ask you to bow your heads. And I want you to think about these things. I want you to remember this, that there's no sin, according to Jesus' word, that he will not forgive except blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about what that is. But this morning, if you would be concerned about that, don't worry, you've not committed it. I hope you remember this too. As we think about that sin today, what what did Jesus say? He said, how could you go into a strong man's house unless you bind him? And Jesus taught through that parable that he is coming to Satan's kingdom, this earth. He has bound him up. He's put him on a leash. And he came to set free his captives. We, we sing a song that talks about the, the fetters of sin, the, the bindings, the ropes of sin, that Christ came to free us from those fetters, to release us. And that's what Jesus was teaching the Pharisees. He said, you know, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to to bind up people in their sin, but I've come and I've bound up Satan and I've defeated Satan and I've come to rescue those who had a hold of. What we call that today is salvation. We call it this, the Holy Spirit of God convicts our heart. The Bible says He woos us. He calls us unto Himself. And through that calling, we respond by simply admitting that, you know what, I failed and I I was bound up by Satan's sins and I was bound up in my own evil desires, but Christ called me and I want His forgiveness. That's salvation. Once we've accepted Jesus Christ, listen, folks, we can never commit unpardonable sin. Once you accept Jesus Christ, it's done. It's gone. This morning, I want to ask you, Which side of the fence are you on? There's no neutral ground today. We can do a lot of things with Christ, but we cannot ignore Him. So this morning, if the Holy Spirit of God moves within your heart, if He convicts your heart today, I want to ask if you would respond however the Spirit would lead you. I don't know what that may be, but however the Spirit might lead you. Father, I pray this morning, as we really think about the lessons that you teach us. And Father, to know that you said I've come in and 
uh, the prince of this world, I've bound him up. I've got him on a chain. I've got him on a leash. And I've come to reclaim that which was stolen from me. I've come to reclaim those which God has created, that he has given life to. And Father, I thank you that in your wisdom and through your spirit, you reclaim those who have fallen away. And Father, I pray now as we have a time of invitation and as your spirit woos us into yourself, I pray, Lord, that we would respond to you, to the calling of your spirit, to the directing of your spirit. And Father, you would lead us wherever you'd have us to go in this place today. Lord, I pray that we would turn our eyes upon you. I pray, Father, that distractions and all the things of today would be gone and we would simply be in your presence in this moment. In Jesus' name. If you would stand with me and let's bow our heads together. We're just going.